Please turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. It's been a little bit since we've been in Titus, so I'll bring us up to speed. First and Second Timothy and Titus are pastoral epistles written to particular pastors. The Apostle Paul wrote them toward the end of his life, and in Titus, he gives a specific charge to Titus that he would finish the work that has begun and that he would set up elders, set up elders in the cities. Why? Well, the Apostle Paul couldn't do the work of evangelizing all of the Greco-Roman world by himself. He needed men like Timothy, like Titus, to do the work. And then, even those who Paul taught, they couldn't do the work themselves. They needed to set up elders who would teach and train other faithful men to build God's kingdom. So that's why Titus was left in Crete to appoint elders in every city. Last time we looked at what the qualifications for elders are. So there are 13 positive qualifications. They must be this way. And there are six negative qualifications. They must not be this way if they're going to be even considered for elders. They must be men of Christian faith and integrity, men who can teach, and men who will shut down false teachers. And that brings us to our passage today in verse 10. For there are many rebellious men, is how it begins. And the Apostle Paul is very detailed in how how these men are, how these rebellious men are, and what Titus is supposed to do about it. And even if you're not an elder, or if you're not going to be, this passage is for all of us to learn from. So you men should aspire to the office of elder. At least you should read these qualifications in Titus 1. So go back and look later. You men, look at the verses 5 through 9. And that is a good example. It's a good summary of how your men's Christian life should look. That's how your life should actually look. And ladies, as you listen today, you should all be guarding the truth of God's word, calling out wrong teaching when you hear it. I think Jessica said, as you ladies go through the book in the ladies' Bible study, that Betty's faithful to to speak up and say, well, this is good. Well, I think she was actually weak here. She's unfaithful here, and here's how she could have been more faithful. And so the charge is for you ladies to be that way too. When you're talking with friends, families, we all love to maintain our surface-level relationships, right? We love our comfort, just like uh, Bilbo in his hobbit hole. To be a hobbit means a life of comfort. We want it that way. We hate confrontation. We were just talking about this at the men's study. It doesn't matter the most faithful elder pastor you've met. We hate confrontation. But if we're going to be faithful, there will be confrontation in our lives. And I don't mean be a jerk just for the sake of being a jerk. I mean speak the truth in love, but you have to speak the truth. So please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll read Titus 1, 10 through 16. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. 
right after the Apostle Paul gives the qualifications for elders, he says in verse 10, For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. The work of an elder is very difficult work. If you've done the work of an elder before, you know this. And some of us have delusions about what being an elder is. It's about status. You know, I've, I've finally made it. I've finally made it to the top. To be clear, we have elders so that they will do the work of shutting down men who are rebellious. And that's difficult work. It's gut-wrenching, spine-tingling work. And you don't just wake up one day and know how to shut down men who are rebellious, right? It means if you know how to shut down rebellious men, it means that you have done the work of reading God's word. And you've studied men who have gone before. If you read, for example, the elders meeting minutes in Calvin's Geneva, you see example after example of this kind of work. And so... Men don't just wake up one day and know how to do this work. You have, to put in, you have to put in your time. You have to do your homework. It may mean that you've probably done the work of having your mouth shut and being humbled at times when you were rebellious, when you were young and proud. To be an elder, it's not for status. It's not to puff yourself up. It's to build God's kingdom and to protect the sheep, protecting his flock. But we don't like these terms today. We don't like for there to be confrontation with those who are rebellious. We live in the age of, can't we all just get along? It sounds good, right? We want to say that there's peace when there's no peace. There are always rebellious men in the church. There always have been and there, will, there always will be. If we pretend like there aren't those who are contentious, aren't empty deceivers and talkers, that is a sad state of affairs. Not for the leaders only, but for all the sheep. So who wins and loses if the elders don't shut the mouths of the wicked? Who wins and loses? If... Those who are empty talkers, deceivers, if they're just able to continue to talk, well, then the wolves will just continue to devour the sheep, and the sheep are slaughtered. 
Listen to 2 Corinthians 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. And 1 Timothy 1, For some men, strained from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion. So what happens? What's the result when men are able to run away like this? What happens in the church? Verse 11 says, They must be silenced because they're upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach. False teachers, they don't overturn just individuals, but whole families. In fact, they might go after the leaders of families to see the family overturned. But a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? They teach things that they should not, and bad doctrine is serious because bad doctrine leads to bad practice. Why are they teaching what they should not teach? What does the passage say? Why are they doing this? For the sake of sordid gain, for dishonest gain, money, right? What does the Bible say? The love of money truly is a root of all the evils, isn't it? And this is true for leaders in the church and those who aspire to be leaders in the church just as much as it is for all the rest of us. Verse 12, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. That's about the most politically correct thing you've ever read in Scripture, right? I mean, how presumptuous. I mean, are you talking about the Cretans? Everyone in Crete? Surely this can't be about everybody. The Apostle Paul is almost as politically incorrect as Jesus was, right? Saying the most offensive things, but not just for the sake of bringing offense, it's for a point. Why was this written about the Cretans? Well, note that they're condemned by who? By those in Rome? It says, no, a prophet of their own. Someone from Crete, a prophet, said this about his own people. This was written about the Cretans because it was actually true of them. This was written about the Cretans because this is how they actually lived their lives. They were actually liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Look at verse 13. God's word is always perfect and never lies. This testimony is true. This testimony is true about the Cretans. A prophet of their own said it. So, if the Cretans had social media, was this their, their, their slogan of their national pride? Can you imagine? So, the Spartans were known to be tough. The Greeks were known to be intellectuals. So, can you imagine... You know, Americans were, were brave. 
Did the Cretans say, you know, we're the liars, we're the evil beasts, we're the lazy gluttons? Do you think their report about themselves was a little more positive than that? Well, at least we... America self-reports as the land of... We're the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? That's what we say about ourselves. Are we the land of the free? Have you ever known a people more in bondage to sin than Americans today? And the home of the brave, where we murder one million of our most innocent citizens every year. That's America. That's our country, the land of the free and the home of the brave. What would actually be written about us? The land of those who are slaves to sin, the baby murderers. What's true of Cincinnatians? We're we're do-gooders. We're nominally religious. We're at least better than people from Toledo, maybe. But that's how most Americans think. People from Bloomington, maybe. That's how most Americans think. What about Christ Church? What about you? Again, Cretans actually were liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's why a prophet of their own said it about them. On the day of judgment, that's what would be said about them. What actions actually define your life? The Apostle Paul, in the next two chapters, he's going to bring up, through this letter, how we are to live, how we're to engage in good deeds, But I'm not concerned about how we post our status on Facebook, what we say about ourselves. How many many, uh, posts from mothers? You get a rare, honest post from a mother about a nice snapshot of their child throwing a temper tantrum and breaking down crying, right? Does anyone have that as their, what's the main one, their banner or whatever, their profile picture? We lie about ourselves, right? We want the glowing picture of the kids just coloring nicely, sharing the crayons. We lie about ourselves. That's the point of Facebook, so that we can lie about ourselves. Or or maybe tell half-truths, right? Which is lying. But who are you? Be honest. The woman at the well in the Gospel of John, it's been a while since... Joseph preached from John 4. But what did the woman go into the city and say? Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. All of her actions, everything she had done, had been exposed before her when she met Jesus. The next time you want to give yourself to sin, remember The Cretans were liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And on the day of judgment, what will be written about you? The actions that you actually took. So, because this testimony is true about the Cretans, Titus was commanded, verse 13, This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. 
So Titus and elders and pastors are to rebuke men like this. How? Sharply, severely. It has to hurt. When you rebuke someone who is humble and teachable, you can be more gentle, right? You've maybe done this with children. Maybe you have some kids who are humble and who are softer. Sometimes you've come down like a hammer on them. And what, they just break down crying. You need to know who it is you're rebuking. If you're rebuking someone who has a gentle and meek spirit, you can be more gentle as you correct them. But other children, you need to rebuke sharply. I have, I have both kinds. Some are teachable. Some I didn't know if there would be any hope. Still, the, the, the jury's out on some of them still. But we're working at it. But you need to rise to the occasion of the stubbornness of the children, right? A stubborn donkey or a mule needs a stubborn rider. This also means that an elder or a shepherd needs to know the flock. They need to know who they're dealing with. He needs to know if he's speaking to somebody who's humble or proud. It's safe to say you're probably speaking with someone who's proud in one way or another, right? But men like this, rebellious, empty talkers, deceivers, they need to be rebuked sharply. I've been told by a pastor, don't let them win. Don't let them win. You need to know what needs to be said to them and then say it. Get the upper hand. You're not being arrogant when you, well, you can sin that way. But normally we fail by not saying what needs to be said. If we do the work of reproving severely, we will be told that we're being hateful. You're being divisive. You're over the top. It's just about your ego. I've known pastors and elders who've been accused of being hateful or proud or divisive with rebuking. But the reality is that pastors are just working to be faithful if they do this work. Deceptive and false teachers, they need to be corrected sharply. That is part of the job. It comes with the territory. It's, it'd be easy to sit back and not engage in confrontation. I already said that's what we want to do. We don't want to engage in it. You know, the hair stand on the back of your neck. But it's work that must be done. If you don't do it, you're an unfaithful coward. Some of you may have seen this video. I was on Facebook, I believe. Is a video of some workers forging a giant steel flange. Did anybody see this video? So there's this giant hunk of steel. I mean, it's several tons. And it's been heated up. And they need to shape it into a, into a disc of flange that can actually be used in a machine. And so you have all these workers working around it. You know, they have their picks, and they're moving it around. 
And it's under this structure with this giant metal piston that's coming down. <laughs> there go my sermon notes. Just crushing it. So this, so this steel has been heated up so that it can be malleable. And this giant piston. And when you see it drop on it, it alters the steel just, just a little bit. Just barely. And they're moving it around. They're, they're shaping it. But you have, you got to see the video, this giant metal piston just driving down. So you can imagine, let's say one of those workers comes up with his little ball-peen hammer, you know, just kind of taps on that hunk of steel. Nothing's going to change, let alone if he comes with his little tinker toys, right? Nothing's going to change. The tool needs to match the job that needs to be done. And some deceptive teachers are like that giant hunk of steel. They're stubborn, and they need to be, they need to be conformed to that piston driving them, right? Now you see to the end of the video, you have a giant steel flange that's actually really useful. So you might get something that is useful from that, from doing that work of rebuking those who are rebellious, but you've got to put in the work. And that's what the Apostle Paul says here. Reprove them severely. Why? What does our text say? So that they will be sound in the faith so that they will be useful for God's kingdom. Some materials need to be smashed. Before it was just a big, dumb hunk of steel, right? And now it's something that can be useful. Be sound in the faith, as opposed to Jewish fables, false teachings. So we're celebrating 500 years of the Reformation, right? False teaching from Rome, exposing, exposing false teaching. But heresy has always been in the church, and we have heresies today, old heresies resurfacing today, and so all of us must know good doctrine and to identify bad doctrine when we see it. Elders especially must know so that we can silence those who are heretics and protect the flock. Listen to First and Second Timothy. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily, and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And to Titus, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. 
So as we close, verse 14. Not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. So you had Judaizers coming in. What was that? Like in Galatians, you had those who were culturally Jewish telling the Christians they still had to obey the Jewish customs in order for salvation. They were compelling the Cretan Christians to live by Jewish customs. So the Christians in Crete are getting it from both sides, right? In Crete, you're surrounded by absolute wickedness everywhere. I mean, the Cretans were, were famous for their wicked lifestyle. Sexual debauchery, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, they, they were known. And they're getting it from false religious types who are in it for money, for sordid gain. That's quite a place to put Titus in, right? What, was the Apostle Paul just throwing him to the wolves? No, the Apostle Paul knew that Crete was very strategic for the gospel. Yes, I want you on Crete. These people are ripe for the gospel. You can say the Cretans had it bad, Titus had it bad, but Christians have been in these situations throughout the history of the world. We are. We're surrounded by an evil generation, and we're surrounded by false teachers. Thank God that he has called elders to lead and protect the church. Pray that God will give us faithful men like this to help lead as elders in this church who will silence the rebellious, who've done their work of knowing sound doctrine, who are sound in the faith themselves. Praise God that elders work to protect the flock. They silence falsehood and speak the truth. And in the next two chapters, the Apostle Paul will tell us how, therefore, we should live as Christians in our culture. Pray with me.